Today is Thursday, May 11, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Title 42 set to expire midnight. Migrants are being told that the doors are now open. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend. You can email us. Don't forget to do that. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org. We'd love to hear from you. We're getting through the news of the cray each and every weekday morning at 7 a.m. Joining me now, Billy Hallowell, Trey Gons Phillips. What? What's up, fellas? How's it going? Happy Friday, Junior. Well, it's going <laughs> well. I, it's been an interesting day. Yes. I, right? Another yes. day in paradise is what it is, I think. Unless you're on Facebook and you say something nice about Jesus, well, then that's true. you're going to get banned, <laughs> as Billy has found out, and we're... We're going to be talking about that on the focus story, are we not? We are. I mean, I I got a slap on the wrist. <laughs> and I guess I'm, I, Threat. I'm guilty of hate speech. You're, <laughs> <laughs> we, I can't wait till we get to tell you what <laughs> Billy actually wrote and posted on Facebook that got, got him threatened with a hate speech ban. It's unbelievable. I mean, uh, if you're not worried about AI, this should do it. This should do it for you right here today. But uh, we'll get to that. Also, I spoke with Chuck Holton, who's down in El Paso as we're bracing for this Title 42 to expire. Interesting stuff there from down on the border as what President Biden even says is going to be potentially a chaotic time for a while after this uh, Title 42 expires. We we get into all that on the main thing with Chuck Holton. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. President Biden's White House Deputy Press Secretary Andrew Bates has been implicated in an effort to discredit Hunter Biden's laptop as Russian disinformation. This was back during the 2020 presidential election. You may recall that story getting suppressed and much of the media calling it just Russian misinformation. A lot of that based on this letter. And now, according to House Oversight Committee Republicans, They say a former CIA senior advisor named Nick Shapiro drafted a media pitch for this discredited letter that was signed by 51 former intelligence officials. And Tucker Carlson announced he'd be doing his show on Twitter, much to the delight of his fans. But Elon Musk added that this is not a paid show or relationship and that Carlson's getting treated just like any other content creator would on Twitter. Very interesting battle brewing between Tucker Carlson and Fox News as he seems to be foregoing uh, his non-compete period and just going right on in to doing not just commentary on Twitter, but he said a full show. And Israel began another round of strikes yesterday against Palestinian Islamic Jihad, PIJ. This time, the strikes are against rocket launching sites. At least one member of the PIJ was killed. This after the PIJ fired more than 100 rockets into Israel last week. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNnews.com. Guys, this is, and I'm interested to hear what you all at home think about this Tucker Carlson versus Fox News debacle that's sort of heating up right now. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at CBN.org. But Tucker is the non-compete ignoring it, basically. It's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. I think at the end of the day, he's got a lot of clout and a lot of power and more so than anybody on cable, not just cable news. I'm assuming maybe there's things we don't know about the contracts, who knows, but yeah. um, he may he may have an out or, I mean, these things tend to be 
non-competes, from what I understand, I'm not a lawyer, tend to be very hard to actually, you know, uphold in court. Like people tend to find a way out of them yeah. uh, because it, it essentially stops you from doing what you want to do. So anyway, I'm curious to see, he may just think he has enough power to overshadow Fox. I don't know. I mean, I think what's more interesting than the non-compete issue potentially is the fact that he's going to Twitter and kind of breathing new life into that platform because there have been, even before Elon took it over, there are always these uh, think pieces about is Twitter over, right? Is, is it, is it kind of a dying platform? And then Trump kind of breathed new life in it when he ran for president and he just tweeted anything and everything he ever thought in his brain. So that, you know, brought a lot of traffic there. Uh, and then now, uh, Tucker potentially bringing a whole different kind of traffic to Twitter. I actually think that's what's most fascinating about this whole about this whole thing. Yeah, Matt Walsh doing the same thing as well after YouTube threatened to demonetize or did demonetize his program over comments he made on the gender issue. And yeah, you know, I, I bring up the non-compete thing and why I find it fascinating is because Usually what happens when someone leaves the network, I can't think of a massive example of a bigger personality than Tucker, is you don't see them for a while. In today's fleeting environment, you'd, you'd see Tucker pop up in six to 12 months from now and be like, oh, that's right. He had a show. You know, you, you'd move on to the next thing. There's so many things by that point. But um, why I'm particularly um, interested in this is because of a report in Axios that talks about the letter that Carlson's lawyer sent in which he alleges that Fox broke an agreement with Carlson not to leak his private communications to the media and not to use Carlson's private messages, quote, to take any adverse employment action against him, end quote. Now, full disclosure, I worked at Fox News back when I worked for the Glenn Beck program, and Fox is notorious for this, leaking information about their own hosts. They'll do this. They'll play these mind games and they'll leak stories. And by all accounts, I don't think it's shocking, all these video clips that suddenly came out about Tucker Carlson, it very likely came from Fox News. And given that their pattern of doing this, I'm very surprised that they would make an agreement with Tucker Carlson stating this because that's a common practice at Fox News. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens in a day where you have more choices now, 10, 15 years ago, it was, you know, Fox was the only game in town for quote unquote conservative media. But now you've got a whole host of things to choose from. Well, let's also consider that if the ratings are truly way down, let's say, right, on Fox since this happened, if that's true, then he may be banking on the fact that Fox wants this to go away as quickly as possible. Right. So the last thing you're going to want to do is to draw attention right to this spat that has led to your lower ratings if if that indeed is the case so i think that could be at play too which is interesting yeah and and to your point on the ratings thing megan kelly brought up the other day on her show that they had just fox just had at the 8 p.m time slot on a recent night just had ninety thousand viewers in demo now just to give you an idea of how bad that number is when i worked with glenn and we were on headline news cnn headline news that was the first show we had in like 2006 no one even knew this network was on the air, and we were pulling almost 200,000, 150,000, 200,000. So for Fox News now to get a 90 in demo at 8 p.m., that's not good. No. Yeah. I mean, also, I think you have to just consider the culture and the world that we live in. Like, I, I personally, and I know people like obviously all different demographics, I can't name to you one person in my family other than maybe my grandmother. Uh, or or you know, anybody who watches 
news anymore. <laughs> I don't think any. I don't think anybody <laughs> is watching cable. it a lot. Right. That's what I mean. Not on cable. They're watching it on streaming or they're yeah. watching it elsewhere. But people are just not watching it on cable. And they, so I think you factor that in. And then I think people are so disillusioned with our political landscape in general that I think people are just kind of fed up with it. So even the big dog, which is Fox, is is starting yeah. to feel some of that pain. Yeah, absolutely. Well, either way, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because I think there may be larger ramifications here at play than just, you know, Tucker and, and what happens in the 8 p.m. time slot at Fox News. So we'll keep an eye on that. But we are going to head over to the focus story now. And I've been waiting for this one because I'm as I think I might even be more stunned than Billy is on this one. But uh, Billy, you have essentially been warned by Facebook that they're going to ban you over hate speech. You got to let every fill everybody in on what the story is. What did you write that has Facebook calling you and threatening you over hate speech? So, so this is bizarre. I log on to Facebook. I'm on my phone, and I thought this must be a mistake. I get this pop up. It's on my phone. It was also on my desktop, and it said your post goes against our community standards on hate speech. And I'm like, what in the world did I post? And so, <laughs> I look, and there is a message from April second. So this is old now. It's well over a month. And here's what I wrote. I wrote, Jesus died so you could live. That was the only thing I could see in the message that they send me. And they inform me that nobody else could see the post anymore at that moment, that they have standards because they want everyone to, quote, feel safe, respected, and welcome. And then it says, if your content goes against our community standards again, your account may be restricted or disabled. And then it says, you can disagree with the decision if you think we got it wrong. So, of course, <laughs> I disagreed with the right. decision. I mean, and I just, before we even go to what happened next, how in the world, maybe it's an AI thing, maybe it's automatic did the line jesus died so you could live get flagged yeah i can't even think because normally what will happen in one of these things you can kind of see how it'd be misinterpreted if someone's making a comment on guns or even just saying something like we gotta kill this bill uh, whenever it comes around you know and people right. oh they might be saying kill bill and you know or whatever the case might be you can like at least make a case i'm not seeing what is even the logic or I'm not even seeing anything close to a logical conclusion here. Are you? No. Well, no. So I, I thought I went through their process. This hadn't happened to me before. So I went through their process and I, I put in a grievance, whatever you call it, I, you know, and <laughs> a plea to the robots over at Facebook. Well, I thought, okay, they're going to, a human is going to review. It. It's like when you yeah. put an ad together and on Facebook, anybody who's ever done an ad, they approve it. What ended up happening was I get a message a couple hours later and it says, we have removed your post from Facebook. So now it's no longer just absent from people's feed. It's been removed. And it says, we are unable to show content that goes against our community standards on hate speech. It says, your appeal was reviewed and your post does not follow our community standards on hate speech. Wow. So Facebook or the machine or the robot, either this is a horrible mistake or Facebook doubled down. Well, I don't know how... Like, how does, I don't know how the, their whole system works, but does, if, if it's been reviewed, I would presume that that means it's been looked at by an actual, like, human with eyeballs who's looked at it and said, and, and read it and still has decided that for whatever reason, your post is inflammatory or dangerous or a threat to, to people, which, I mean, you can't get a more, uh, that's just like the most watered down, basic and concise uh, presentation of the gospel. And then Facebook is deciding to ban a sentence that essentially portrays the gospel. 
Right. Did someone complain? Did so, I don't know. Because again, you're talking about, so what went on? Here's my other question. From April 2nd until May 10th, yesterday when this happened, what what went on? What happened? Yeah. What yeah. happened? What was going on during that long time frame when this apparently wasn't hate speech until it was? <laughs> well, and this is the problem, and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, is the vague nature of the rules. And then they don't have to really give you a, a, an explanation on what it exactly it is you did. And it's the same thing on YouTube. It's the same thing on Twitter. Well, it was before Elon took over. Um, and so that is very concerning. And one of the reasons why Christians and many conservatives are concerned that as AI emerges, this is the sort of thing that what are you going to do? Because you don't even know who you're... It's not like someone emailed you, right? Like there's no... Jenny oh, yeah. at Facebook emailed you. It's just, is it going to the robots again? Are the robots just deeming me not loving and I'm just a hateful right. commenter and the comment is hateful? I don't know how even the dumbest AI or the dumbest person over at Facebook could not <laughs> see that that's not hate speech in the slightest. And, and is it, look, I like to have grace for other people. Yeah. And, and in this case for robots, is it a mistake, right? Was it a mistake? I think the part that was disturbing to me, incredibly disturbing was we've reviewed it. And because guess what? They give you a message. What can you do? And you're like, oh, it says what you can do. Maybe I can do something. No, here's what I can do. I can go to my account status to see how the content violations have affected me. And when I go there, nothing shows up. So I have no violations anymore. So I'm, it's very confusing. There's nowhere to go for help. And then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, so if I tweet that Jesus died for everybody's sins again, and he died for you, and they flag me again, and is my account going to be disabled? Right. I and mean, just to clarify, not a tweet, because you're talking about Facebook. Sorry. So Facebook. Right, a Thank post you. on yeah. Facebook. Thank you. Facebook, um, yeah. Right, yeah. Are they going to ban? Are they going to ban you if you do? I mean, it sounds like they would because they re they've reviewed it, and um, it seems like they stuck by their guns there. And I, I don't know. I mean, maybe. I mean, let's get let's try to give them the benefit of the doubt. Are they taking this as hate speech against Christianity, which doesn't make sense either? Like. I don't know. I, I can't. I honestly, yeah. none of it makes sense. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, they well, I think that's standards. I have the hate speech standards. If you're interested, I do have them from that. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'd be interested in hearing at least a little bit of it because the reality is, is that they're so overly broad. They're like, to your point, Dan, that you mentioned before, is that everything is so overly broad and really, really vague that then any one person at any one position at Facebook can make any argument to to ban anything yeah. if they have a personal axe to grind or they got an agenda against somebody or some worldview, which I think has been people's complaint over the years. I've heard conservatives and Christians say, I don't have a problem with rules. We don't have an issue with there being a hate speech policy. We have, and this was a similar issue before Elon took over Twitter when it comes to LGBTQ stuff and like uh, misgendering or dead naming somebody who's, who's transitioned is we don't have an issue with the rules. What we have an issue with is that you make them so overly broad that they then can be applied to any person without really any sort of regard for that person's free speech and then they can just rest back on their super general and broad rule and say yeah. well we decided that this was a violation because we wanted it to be yeah yeah absolutely well billy real quick why don't you just give a couple of the guidelines there or just one of them so we can get an idea before we uh, before we move on Sure. It says this includes attacks on people because of their race, ethnicity, religion, caste, physical or mental ability, gender or sexual orientation. And they give examples describing people as inferior, subhuman animals or insects, using harmful stereotypes, 
mocking victims of hate crimes, denying the existence of a group of people. And then it goes on to say that this includes claims about COVID-19. Um, I don't understand which of those this qualifies under. No. Uh, very bizarre. Doesn't, very bizarre. Definitely doesn't seem to make any sense. But again, just another indication of what it is we're up against because you don't see these quote-unquote mistakes happening the other way around very often. So hopefully hopefully you remained unbanned on on Facebook, Billy. But, um, you know, they doubled down. So, I mean, maybe maybe you could double down too on how much Jesus loves us and we'll see if Facebook thinks that's hate. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, appreciate you bringing that story. And if you are new to the Quick Start Podcast here, don't, don't forget to head on over. You can go to Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts and get the Quick Start Podcast from CBN News over there. All right, we are going to head into the main thing now. And Chuck Holton is down in El Paso, Texas, on the eve of Title 42 expiring. There is an expected massive wave now of migrants heading there to the border because they've been told in no uncertain terms that the doors are open. Our conversation with CBN's Chuck Holton is today's main thing. Well, here in El Paso, there are already just thousands of migrants uh, flooding into the downtown area. And many of them are trying to get here ahead of the expiration of Title 42 because the State Department is saying that they're going to deport anybody who comes in without that appointment from the CBP-1 app that they put out uh, after Title 42 expires. And so they're trying to get in under the wire, so to speak. But the there's a lot of conflicting information kind of flying around here. Uh, the rumors uh, are flying. The cartels are propagating those rumors, telling people, no, after Title 42 expires, they're going to just welcome everybody in. And so the what we're hearing is that just on the other side of the border, uh, just a couple hundred yards from me in uh, the city of Juarez uh, in Mexico, they're talking about something like 150,000 people that are staged and ready to come across as soon as Title 42 expires. Yeah, and I've also heard that they're handing out flyers there in El Paso to migrants who have been you know, on the sidewalks and waiting there, encouraging them to turn themselves in to immigration, to authorities ahead of the expiration. Uh, and they urge those, I'm just reading the quote, who skirted authorities on the way into the U.S. to visit the nearest processing station a few minutes walk from a nearby church there. So what's the effectiveness of this? Have you have you seen that? And is this something that is going to work? Well, I'm, this is the church right here I'm standing next to. And uh, the, yes, we've seen these flyers laying around on the ground. Last night we were down here, talked to some of the migrants about them. They said that the agents had been coming around and passing them out. Uh, we read one of the flyers and that's exactly what it says. You should turn yourself in ahead of Title 42. Really what this illustrates is that the Border Patrol is taking all of its agents and putting them in the processing centers in order to process the tens of thousands of migrants who are coming across here every week. And there are very, very few of them actually out on the border. So they are trusting, this is like the honor system uh, for the migrants to come across on their own and to decide that they want to turn themselves in as opposed to just filtering off into the United States. We talked to quite a few of them that were down here sleeping around this church last night. 
And what they were saying is that they they don't want to turn themselves in because most of them had already been in the United States multiple times and had been deported before, and they know that they don't qualify for asylum. And so they are just uh, hoping to uh, be able to sort of disappear into the interior of the U.S. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like there'd be a lot of incentive, right? Like you're going to have to go, but you just did this arduous journey to get to the border, uh, then you make it in, and then, like you said, you're not going to get the asylum. So you may as well roll the dice and just try your luck at uh, not getting picked up, I guess. Yes, and uh, they're they're looking at, like I say, about ten thousand people a day coming across the border now. That is a it's a record beyond a record that when 2000 was a record that wasn't very long ago. Uh, but now we're at we're at 10,000 a day and it could be quite a bit more than that. The, the real scary thing is that is not just the 150,000 people who are waiting on the other side of the border to come across. It's the 700,000 to a million who are already in the pipeline that are making their way through the Darien Gap into Panama, that are making their way into Tapachula in Mexico and making their way across Mexico on the beast train uh, coming up to the United States. Those people, I've been in Colombia just in the last couple of weeks talking to those people and they say, listen, we're not gonna stop. We're not, we can't turn around and go home because we've sold everything. We've already decided this is where we're gonna go. But the other thing that I think it's important to point out is that the vast majority of these people did not just leave the country that they are purporting to be fleeing. So if they're Venezuelan, they didn't just leave Venezuela. If they're Cuban, they didn't just leave Cuba. They've, they left years ago and they've mm. been making a living, making a life in Ecuador or Brazil or someplace like that. They've got good clothes, they've got iPhones and they are only coming to the United States because it's a better economic benefit for them. They're coming for a better paycheck. And that does not make an asylum claim. They know that, but they also know that the line is so long for an asylum hearing that these guys who are, who do turn themselves in at the, the, the processing center are given a, a notice to appear sometime in 2026 and then <laughs> released into the United States. And so they know that they've got years to go and make a living, make a life, and they're planning to do that. Uh, we talked to people who are planning to go to Denver, planning to go to Florida last night. And all of those people that we talked to were felons who had been previously deported multiple times from the United States and had mm. come back in taking advantage of this this flood. Man, what a crazy situation. And I know um, the president said he's sending troops there to various parts of the border that maybe potentially are hotspots. It seems like a lot of the border is a hot spot at this particular point. Uh, but he also admitted that the days following Title 42's expiration are going to be chaotic for a while. I found that an interesting admission. Um, a, do you think he's accurate? And B, what do you think of that about the president kind of saying that? You know, normally you'd think just for politics, they'd kind of say, hey, we're going to do our best. We're going to we're going to tackle this. Listen, we've had 200,000 people a month coming across our border pretty much since Joe Biden took office. That's like the city of Fayetteville, North Carolina, coming across the border every month, <laughs> a new city coming across every month. And and they all, that whole time, the president's uh, Muppet in chief, Karine Jean-Pierre, uh, she likes to say the border is secure. Uh, Alejandro Mayorkas likes to say the border is secure. 
So if that's what secure looked like, you can imagine what, when they say that it's gonna be chaotic, you can imagine what that's gonna be like. You're talking about hundreds of thousands of people every week, not every month coming across the border. And it is absolutely crushing these border communities. All right, Chuck, uh, before you go here, any, anything else you wanna add in about what you expect to see here in the next couple of days? Well, it'll be very interesting to see what happens on midnight uh, on the, the morning of the 12th as Title 42 expires, because there are these competing narratives. Like I say, the, the, the CBP is trying to put out the word that you cannot come across without uh, a, an appointment through the CBP-1 app uh, on your phone before, uh, after that Title 42 expires. If you do, you will be sent back and you will not be able to enter again You'll not be able to get a, per, a permission or asylum. You'll be ineligible at that point. Um, but as I said, the vast majority of the people that we're talking to here have either been here several times before and have already been kicked out, so they don't care. They're just going to keep trying. Or they've been living in another place, and they don't have – like, imagine sending a Venezuelan like that back to Venezuela after he's left his country, sold his house, and he's been gone for five years. He has nothing to go back to. And so those people have no choice but to keep trying. And that is not their fault. That is the fault of the messaging that's been put out by the Biden administration, because that messaging has enabled and encouraged and facilitated these people selling everything they have and believing that once they get here, that remember that he came from a socialist country. He believes that the government's job is to provide for you, is to give you everything you need. That's all he, knew, he has ever known in his life. And so he comes to the United States and he expects exactly the same thing here. And when he doesn't get that, uh, obviously things don't go well for them uh, here. All right. Appreciate Chuck, as always. He's always on the front lines, on the ground, just right where things are happening down there in El Paso, Texas, as this uh, is about to expire and chaos. It's already chaos at the border. It's going to be extra chaos at the border after this with people sadly believing that it's wide open and everyone's just allowed to come in now. Um, they've been misled, and it's it's sad that families are risking it all based on a lie. So appreciate Chuck uh, reporting and bringing those stories to light. And that's going to leave us with time here for one last thing today. Well, in honor of my message on Facebook, Jesus died so you could live, I thought we could read Romans 6, 10 to 11, and it reads, The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God in the same way, Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. So there you go. Amen. Beautiful. I just hope that Mark Zuckerberg's not listening so we don't get uh, somehow banned. I mean, do they ban people on pot podcast platforms yet? I know they tried to get Joe Rogan. So I don't just know. Just crazy. The things you can get banned for these days. It's uh, wild, wild times we're living in. Certainly prayers are required. Lord willing in that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.